Welcome. Welcome back, everybody. Um, we're here. Another episode of Energy Bites. First one of the uh, college football season. So yeah. I'm rocking my, my Razorback shirt or hat. And, go uh, go Buffs in the big <laughs> uh, surgeons last week. So uh, love that, that. That made me yeah, so prime happy. Time. He's, how do you not want to run through a brick wall after, yeah. after hearing him talk, right? It's it's pretty awesome. But here today with, with Bobby Nealon, my my wonderful co-host and, and David Thule, co-founder or founder of Geolumina. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for having me. Appreciate yeah. it. Appreciate oh, you coming. Thanks man. for being here. So we'll kick it off just like we kind of do with most people, but kind of tell us how you got into both energy and tech, uh, whether, you know, starting out. Yeah. yeah. Were you a kid tinkering with stuff? Right. Or, you know, were you, tearing shit apart like i was and breaking computers because you were uh downloading viruses or <laughs> how'd you get into it no uh, i have a really different background um i listened to talal's episode too so like yeah. i'm the opposite of talal <laughs> um so i'm a geologist and geochemist by background um i ended up as a geologist just like every geologist by failing out of engineering school um <laughs> and and i ended up kind of in this consulting and big data space uh in a way i'm kind of like brian mcdowell who was on maybe one of the last episodes and we have a lot of overlap in our history um so i was always into like doing things building things but i was never a computer guy um I actually I, I talk a lot of trash on my dad um, because my dad and my grandpa both worked at Cray Research, Cray Supercomputers, okay. um, but like on the finance side, like they, sure. but you know, they didn't clue me in to like the <laughs> fact that computers were a big deal. Yeah, a big deal yeah. And, and so we actually, you know, we, we, we had very modest means growing up, but we had one of the only computers on the block. My, my dad got an Apple because he was a, a numbers guy yeah. and doing accounting and things like that. So he had it. So played math blasters on the mat yeah, you know, stuff like that right? math blaster <laughs> oh man but i'm 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 not a gamer i'm not a and now i'm like a tech nerd i guess like yeah. i'm into hardware i like i like the advancement of it but i didn't didn't grow up with it not a computer guy by background at all i don't, yeah. I don't I mean, play I would, video games yeah i wasn't really either i mean yeah i didn't really get into it after till after teaching and coaching i was like i didn't guess like oh this is cool yeah and really had no desire <laughs> before yeah. that yeah no, so. i think that's the coolest part about it right is like there isn't a singular path that everybody kind of follows to end up into into that sector. There's just so many different. I mean, I'm a mechanical engineer because I hate theoretical, intangible things. Mm -hmm. and, so, and here we are talking about data and technology, yeah. which most of it is intangible. Right? Yeah, so totally. But I mean, you talk about big data. I mean, <clears throat> geology in a way it was one of the original kind of big data. Yeah, all the seismic and stuff. I mean, oil and gas has been handling some really big data sets for a while, even before it became kind of yeah. a cool thing to do. Let's, like, let's unpack that because I think a lot of people don't especially just the average energy person doesn't really understand how much data there is on the geo side yeah it's it's fascinating i think there's a lot of there's like three or four things i want to cover and and so one of them is that you know oil and gas was super early on supercomputing technology and things like that yeah. you know they had one of the biggest and best you know systems at exxon for supercomputing and they still do they yeah. partner with hpe for that it's crazy impressive um you know, but then there was kind of this like winter of advancement. I mean, and we we, we weren't really quite sure where to go. And yeah. and I think is, you know, a lot of things hadn't caught up yet. So like seismic processing was really high end. 
but we had no way to deal with manual records and paper records yeah. and and things stored in the salt mine in Kansas that are the permanent record of history, right? And and so like we kind of went through this winter of like how do you possibly ever catch up? And mm-hmm. that's kind of part of what Brian tries to deal with and um from Sabata and it's like, you know, yeah, he he has one approach to it. I happen to disagree with his approach, but yeah. I love that it works for him and we have a great partnership on yeah. things that we do, but like, you know, we're trying to really push those models to change that aspect of it and really catch our business up sure um so i think that's interesting uh i also like in oil and gas technology that like exxon made their own typewriters okay and their really own that, yeah. and their own computers and uh actually like as an artifact of that their fonts are different than everybody else's and that's a fascinating problem and like that's how diverse like the technology approach in oil and gas sure. is that yeah. it's everything from like we're gonna make a typewriter. Yeah, it's like this is like true build versus <laughs> Do it buy, ourselves. Right? Yeah. yeah, exactly, exactly. It's, it's just fascinating, and you know, to this day, there's there's not a lot of like Exxon Mobil holdovers that remember that they used to make their own typewriter. Yeah. But I've I've actually run into a few, and you know, they, they were like, yeah, well, it was the only one we could bring in country, so that's what we used. Wow. Fascinating. Yeah. No, I mean very typical you know super major style right yeah like, hey come show me how this thing works and then we'll try and back engineer it ourselves and right. do it on our own yeah. right and yeah i think i think you know the data problem in in subsurface is if you're if you're oil and gas adjacent or if you just maybe know someone that does it like almost everyone's familiar with seismic data right they can sound yeah. waves through the earth they reflect off the rock they give a picture of the subsurface like everyone kind of gets it yeah but then there's well logs and there's dozens and dozens of different types and iterations of tools and there's the cores we pull out of the ground and there's the description of those cores that we do as geologists and there's taking plugs out of them and chips off of them and the pulverized rock from the ground and analyzing all of that and there's outcrops and there's satellite imagery and then there's all of the things we make as geologists we make a lot of visual collateral we make graphs and charts and maps and thin section pictures and annotate this and business graphs, things that show P and L's and like, there's just so much visual information that, that, that goes in and out of companies. I mean, even the most modest oil company has a 40 or 50 terabyte server. Yeah. Like that's like, you know, we got three guys in a basement and they have 40 (laughs) terabytes. Right. And then, you know, super majors have hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of petabytes. Yeah. Sometimes they have 100 petabyte scale single business units. Yeah, with the history that they have and everything. I mean, you you know, know. Permian, what goes back yeah. 100 plus years now. Yeah, and, and that doesn't even include all the stuff that hasn't been digitized yet. That yeah. all right. is, has value, right? <laughs> yeah. mm-hmm. um, so it's a, it's a wild data space. And I think it's interesting because I, like, I overlap with like Silicon Valley tech guys a lot because mm-hmm. we talk to VCs and you know, we try to explain what we're doing. And... They don't they don't quite get it. And and the reason is because if I'm in the city of Houston or the city of Austin, I'll get more data from cell phone location pings in the course of an hour than I'll have from the entire Powder River Basin triple combo logs (laughs) on every average 8000 foot well across 50,000 well sites. So so it's like if I didn't capture the data today. Or even this hour, I'll right. catch it next hour. Right, it's yeah. no big deal. But but like at oil and gas, if I drilled the well and I didn't analyze it, capture it, catalog it, or preserve it, I'm not drilling that spot again. Yep. Yeah. Like yeah. what's you know what's the closest you twin a well? Maybe you know maybe a few hundred feet on really sure. rare occasions, but usually it's it's quarter mile, half mile, and a lot changes in the world. Yeah. I mean, you know, in those sorts of distances. So yeah. I think it's a it's a challenge that that is 
interesting from the from the subsurface side for sure and i think that's one of the big things too that like i always after working at at rds is doing the gauges and well tests and stuff like that you know there are so many people you talk to that are like man i wish we would have done this on the well or whatever uh well test pta a certain type of log etc and you can't you can't go back and do it in no. most situations and so it's or it's incredibly <clears throat> it's way more expensive to go back after right. the fact and run like a production log than it would be to do something on the front end and so that's always a struggle i feel like in our industry right is your it is a business so businesses have to make money but you can make a lot better decisions if you have more information than if you don't typically especially speaking. if they're cheap ways of doing it too correct like, yeah, yeah they don't have to be the sexiest latest you know interpreted log you right. know or the yeah. synthetic log stuff that they've gotten into and all that stuff it just have good data across yeah, I mean, most of your yeah, it's only stuff. version rock that time you know, yeah. Like, yeah and consistent data right like exactly. you know don't change your <clears throat> gathers or your collections every every <laughs> yeah. two wells like it doesn't create a comprehensive data right. set that you can yeah. actually analyze in any sort but, of a way but to that end though too you get on the other side of like people capture a lot of data and they don't use it at all for sure you know or go somewhere to die or the analysis ends up in a powerpoint and no one's using it <laughs> yeah. yeah there's a there's a big problem um in our business on data utilization and i was telling my co-founder Callie this yesterday and i said it's because we went from the notepad generation to the ipad generation and we skipped the ThinkPad generation. Yeah. Uh, no, uh, you know Lenovo. If you want to sponsor me, hit me up um, for that plug. But like, same. I, lo I love, I love me some Lenovo. But I, I think, I think like there's a very real like like gap in data literacy and utilization mm -hmm. literacy, and and part of it is the business process and speed have changed a lot, right? Yeah. So you know, one of my other co-founders, Steve. Uh, he's been in the business for 40 years. He's been boots on the ground in 75 countries. Wow. And, you know, over the course of his career, it went from I make a list of things I want on a map and I send it to the drafting <laughs> department and then I get to sit around and think about it for a week while it gets drafted Yeah. to, you know, I'm making things on the fly from the data room on the airplane away from the bid round. Right. right? Oh, yeah. and, and, <laughs> and it's like that has changed the data velocity a lot, even mm -hmm. in the subsurface world where you know, you think, oh, well, you know, we'll drill a well, we'll collect some data, we can interpret it. Yeah. And it's like, no, the the velocity yeah. of that is is, you know, daily, weekly mm -hmm. sort of things now. And and that's that's a that's a burden. But yeah, but even the fact that you can process through those data sets, you know, <laughs> yeah. to, to do that, you know, within a week or I mean, because it used to be those supercomputers yeah. at the time could run analysis in a week. Right. Or right. Yeah, now it's like no, you can spin up a computer on AWS and do it in 20 instantaneously. Yeah. yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, pretty awesome. Yeah, I'd say that's one of the big, like, I don't know, subtle kind of advancements over the last decade plus is just the not only the amount of compute power that now exists and the accessibility to it, but also even just at the software level, right? Mm -hmm. Like, I worked for a company that did basin modeling and reservoir uh, simulation and stuff. And their big kind of differentiator from Eclipse was they could run on as many CPUs as you wanted it to. And right. Eclipse was limited to however many it was. This was a while ago, but um, you know, and it's like, well, going from four or eight CPUs, whatever the limit was to 20, 30, 40 cuts down that model time from weeks to days or hours. And yeah. like, that's a huge deal, it's you know, huge. especially in the, in the oil field. Now I feel like that's another kind of thing that's compounded. It is, everything is so much more operational focused and we all realize 
very much so that time is money. If you don't get your shit done in a quick time, you're, the decision is going to be made whether you have the information or not. They'd prefer that you had as much information as you right. could, but it's going to have to get made because you're holding up production and operations, right? It's a, it's a tricky, it's a tricky game for sure. Yeah. Let's talk, let's talk a little bit about kind of how you got into, to Geolumina. Sure. Yeah. So, um, like I said, I, I come from kind of a, a weird background. So I started the business as a consultant doing petroleum geochemistry and basin modeling work for a, a consulting shop out of Denver at the time, principal client was, was EOG. And then it kind of expanded out to kind of everyone doing unconventional stuff. So we were, were early in a lot of North American plays. We did a lot of delineation work for these companies. It was super interesting time, 2008, <laughs> yeah, 9, sure. 10, 11, 12. And, and things were going 100 miles an hour. It yeah. was like every time we turned around, there was a new discovery, and it was crazy. It was crazy. And so, <laughs> you know, I did a bunch of that. And then I ended up at a research group at the University of Utah um, where I ran the petroleum systems and geochemistry research group. Did, uh, you know, exploration and production sort of research for super majors, IOCs, you know, 45 different companies around the world on different projects. I worked 50 basin in 15 countries in four years on a seven million dollar research program it was wow. it was massive and that was where i really kind of got going and the sort of automation and work orchestration side so my co-founder callie uh when i worked there she worked in my organic geochemistry lab and basically orchestrated everything from sample tracking to instrument analysis to outbound data that came to me for me to interpret um, cause we couldn't really solve the interpretation problem. It was like, sure. we, we couldn't, we couldn't make the computer do it. The data sets weren't big yeah. enough. The technology wasn't advanced enough. And so it was about as much as you could do to automate a life is, is what we did. Cause I was on the road 60, 70% of the year in countries all over the world. Wow. Um, after that, I jumped to Austin to join a, uh, private equity backed company, um, did exploration in the Rockies. And then I founded a private equity backed exploration company. We raised $75 million, went out at least a hundred thousand acres, drilled some wells. You know, it was a, it was a really exciting time and, yeah. and things were, were interesting there. Um, and then, you know, we kind of started working on projects on the technology side. We just weren't really sure what to do next. And so, uh, started building things and hacking and I learned more programming and yeah. started prototyping stuff. And we landed on this, like, let's use machine learning to replicate geologic insight because uh so my co-founder callie she made a bird recognition app for her photography okay and uh it just blew my mind because i i still remember she showed me this like california quail that's in this juniper bush yeah and it is super hard to see a quail even even as a human <laughs> yeah, but yeah. the computer vision model had no doubt and that's i was wild. like my god like that's just what geologists do we look at a lot of sure. stuff and make and decisions and so we kind of thought oh this computer vision is like the way to go yeah. And so we started building product and we landed in a, um, an incubator that was funded by Shell called Six Lab. It's in Austin. Okay. Yeah. And uh, so we were in the first cohort of that. Uh, it's really set to launch at South by Southwest 2020. <laughs> and that's in March. Oops. Bum, 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 bum. And everything <laughs> fell apart. But, you know, we got to launch product and start showing it to Shell and we got really interesting feedback. It was like one. We don't know what to feed these really cool apps. Like, where yeah. do we find this data? Like, and it's like, well, your core photos, you know where those are. And they're like, no, we, kind of, but you <laughs> know, basement somewhere. Well, I mean, you know, they're in the, they're in the server, but like different yeah. people had different knowledge of where right. things sat and sure. internal search wasn't great. And then, 
you know, they also kind of said, well, this is cool. Also, do I really have to learn another tool? I don't really want to. Can we do something else? And I said, okay, like okay, automate it, right? Yeah. So, so that's what we kind of transitioned our product to is this automated level of interpretation that does different geoscientific and engineering things. Um, from there, we caught the attention of Techstars uh, Accelerator Program. They have okay. an energy specific one that's funded by Equinor, Kongsberg, and Capgemini. Okay. So we did that in 2021. And that was like right as we were transitioning our product. And uh, out of that, from our demo day pitch, we landed a POC with Equinor and that went really well. Um, you know, they're kind of loving that product as uh, it's called Envision. So it's a uh, it's an autonomous system of agents that does interpretation and okay. search and and lots of really powerful stuff for users. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, they're, they're a great company for that. I mean, like, they, you know, they've had their issues, you know, obviously onshore, you know, this and that. But like, as far as just like data and, you know, data open source and access, like they're, they're a really great company from that standpoint. Absolutely. Yeah. They're really pushing the technology and, yeah. and they do a great job of maintaining open source packages and Python and, yeah. and stuff like that. And I think they have a really tech forward standpoint. Um that's really good for the industry because they they can kind of show that hey this is this is value accretive mm -hmm. and we know it is and it's it costs money absolutely yeah. but but I definitely you know they definitely get their money back many many fold over sure. right and and that, so that makes it really compelling and, and easy to deal with them yeah absolutely yeah so you know maybe stepping back a little bit so sound like Callie did a lot of you know programming but then you end up getting in on that side too yeah like, what was your I, first kind of foray or dipping your toes into I mean, that. I've been doing terrible programming since like 2011. Yeah. Um, just like the absolute bare minimum, you know, stuff yeah, in Excel, you know, whatever I could do with a tiny Python script. Yeah. Lots of SQL, lots of server stuff. So I did a lot of database and, okay. and that sort of maintenance. I didn't really get deep into Python until maybe 2017, 2018. I okay. really like sat down and started learning. Um, I wasn't great at learning from a book. No, and so like prior exactly to the proliferation of like web videos and and guided kind of course content, I didn't do a great job learning it. Yeah. Um, and it's hard. Yeah. Well, especially but even like, when you know a little bit like that's yeah. where I struggle with it. Right. Is but as far like, as like Python, though, like the mid 2010s was an awful time to learn Python. Like, I mean, like <laughs> yeah. I got it because I was getting into it and I was, you know, I even when I got in, they were like, oh, you're gonna be the Spotfire guy. And I was like, all right, well, this is enough. But I always kept pushing that. I don't need to learn R or to code or whatever. But like right. I started trying to learn Python. And it's like because that was in the time when they were switching from Python 2 to Python 3. So like yeah. and then there was Anaconda and Pip. And I was, you know, and when you don't now, I look back now, like I, I get it. But like when you're new and learning, you're just overwhelmed. You just want to learn the syntax. And it was like, you know, I'd buy a Udemy course and it was 2.7. Another one was Anaconda 3. Point whatever. And I was like, yeah, I already installed this package. Why isn't it yeah. not showing up? You know, like, and it just didn't know how to, where to start. Yeah, you know, like, it was, it was a terrible time for it. And I, luckily I just kind of got to ignore it long enough because yeah. I was more geo and less data. Yeah. Um, Callie, bless her heart. She learned it hardcore. Then she was part of a national science foundation funded like research okay. organization doing biology stuff. Nice. Um, and so she got into it by just managing like huge swaths of, yeah. uh, nationwide incoming data streams. And so like, that's how she really got the power. And yeah. so she was like my surrogate coder. I always <laughs> joke that together, like we're one really competent scientist, yeah. you know? Um, <laughs> but, but I mean, I think to your point, maybe something back originally was like, you can't really learn pro I guess maybe you could but learn programming from a book. Like you've got to try to solve problems that are relevant to you. And yeah. then, the, then it, 
it comes together. Yeah, know? absolutely. Like even just having a little toy data set that you get to play with, that yep. I think like really makes that possible. Yeah. And actually that's a really weird hard part in geology. There, there are kind of not great toy data sets that, that sure. people can play with and in like they're getting better. And I know like software underground, they have like a, a data wiki that's getting better and okay. like you can find stuff there and you can always go download your own thing, but that's a whole like data engineering problem right. in and of itself is <laughs> yep. like, if you don't know what to do with it to put it in a format to start working with <laughs> yeah. it, then you're you're also dead in the water. Yeah, so, yeah. Or you get it and then I mean I've done this many times. You get your data set and then you start going through it and you're like, Well, why is this throwing an error? And then you get into it and you're like, Oh, well shit, there's data missing here. Or yeah. like, you know, you've got that whole ETL, the transformation piece yep. before you can start analyzing it that you then have to learn and figure out to to do it. I wanted to ask you, how how did you go about really kind of learning it? And what would your kind of advice be to someone trying to learn it today from the more, you know, science, geo engineering background side of things? Yeah. Um, if the goal is to learn Python, I, I really love freecodecamp.org. Um, they, they have great exercises. So I, I still do free code camp every day. Yeah. Uh, I try to do 20 minutes in the morning when like, just to keep my skills up because yeah. it can give me like some Python exercises, yeah. just help me remember language or, I'm learning JavaScript, God forbid. Yeah, you know, I can, God I can bless do a little you. bit of that. So um, <laughs> like I think I think like finding something that builds data structure is really helpful. Mm. I also did the entire CS50 uh, Harvard that computer science idea. class, and that really clarified a lot of like the interconnection for me. Even if you don't do the exercise, but you just watch every lecture, right. you can really get a lot of information there. And then like on the geoscience side, there are a couple guys on LinkedIn that that do a lot of like analyze a log with Python mm, yeah. and um, stuff like that, that I think is is really good. Um, is a good it's like a light introduction right, because sure. LAS files, although they're not perfect, they're relatively standard. There are packages for reading them. You don't mm. have to do a lot of things to it to get going. And you're probably already doing log analysis anyways. Yeah. So like that's like a lightweight yeah. place to live. Uh, I feel like a lot of those like regardless of where it, where it is or what the application is, those little pre-built kind of libraries or packages is like the gateway drug for yeah. a lot of people yeah. into a lot of into yeah. Python or R or whatever it may be. But, I think we were talking about that thing with Andrew, but just about how like Python, it almost feels like can feel low code at some point because like you get this package and it's like... <laughs> you know, one line or one method, you know, there's a lot of crap going on behind the scenes yeah. that you maybe you don't, you know, know unless you want to dig into the source code, but like, right. You can download this thing and just say, you know, read LAS and there yeah. it is. Yeah, yeah exa exactly. And like packages like that, like Lazio, Segwayio, um, mm -hmm. all of those things are super valuable. Yeah. Um, scikit-learn, scipy, mm -hmm. like if you want to do statistics, those are a great place to do it. If you're only doing statistics, learn R, it's probably better. Um, yeah. If you want to do all types of other things, Python's awesome. Um, I think, you know, it, it's all about like a strategy. Like if you're a petroleum geochemist and you're listening to this, all three of you on the planet, uh, learn SciPy because you can do hierarchical clustering. You can do K-means clustering. You can do all the stuff you need for your workflow. Same if you're a petrophysicist, like that's a great place to live. Yeah. Um, I don't know what geophysicists do. I mean, I, like I, I always try to pretend, but well, I mean, well, so we had Andrew mm -hmm. on Munoz. Um, have you met him or not? Yeah, but, yeah. And then, well, I think he actually did. Well, yeah, he talked more broadly about geology with Energy One Hundred and One. Mm -hmm. But um, 
he got into a little bit about what a geophysicist does, but uh, I just, I, yeah, I just mean like, no, I, no, how, no. how do I, how do I point you in a place to get started? I mean, there are packages for loading segway files sure. and, and stuff like that, but in terms of processing an entire 3d volume, like that start, starts getting hard. Yeah. Um, but you know, there are plenty of people on software underground that do it every day and talk about it all the time. Sure. So, um, like it's, it's pretty accessible. Well, and one thing talking about learning right now, I mean, I think you was it yesterday you posted or two days ago about ChatGPT on LinkedIn. Like, yeah. you know, I almost thought that was almost like, is this the new, uh, let me Google that for you. Totally. <laughs> like people ask you questions like, I'm just going to go Google what you asked me or I'm, or I'm just going to look it up on ChatGPT. <laughs> and <laughs> I do that all the time, right? Like I, I get asked questions all the time. I get tons of messages every week from different geologists, engineers, data science people, people that are just interested in our business, like all types of things. And I find myself a lot Googling things for them. And, yeah. and like, I, you know, I think I have a pretty good breadth and depth of knowledge in the business, but yeah. like, I can't always remember every fact and figure. Exactly. So mm -hmm. it's like, you know, yeah, like there's this big gap in, in self, uh, self discovery isn't right, but like, yeah, you know, adjacent interest discovery is, is yeah. a real skill. Mm -hmm. And, and I think, you know, generation iPad doesn't know it necessarily. Yeah. And, and, some are very good, some are very bad, but like we have to we have to keep encouraging people to learn. So like I hope people will chat GPT answers, but also maybe I'll chat GPT answers and we'll come to different conclusions and I'll send them to them and yeah. they can learn from me and I can learn from them. I like to keep my finger on the pulse of what people want to do. So Yeah. I mean, I was like cuz I did a bachelor's in mathematics and like it was just a ton of proof based and I think that, that that actually taught me how to google really well cuz I'm like, how the <laughs> yeah. heck do you know, so, but I learned really well how to put in like what I needed to find to get you know right good answers to help me kind of unlock stuff for me and like yeah that's probably one of the biggest skills i've used now what i'm doing it's like it's not like, yeah i'm not that smart honestly i mean like i just i know how to find the answers or find the, or put the pieces together that work right. to solve a problem like oh, I, I agree with you i think there's like there's a sweet spot just generation wise where we grew up with the internet for the most part but we didn't have a lot of you know we were asking jeeves and yeah, like yeah, literally yeah, for sure you know what i mean Go like yahoo <laughs> and all those you know all those searches from back in the day where like you really had to dig through a lot of shit to find some good stuff yeah, you had or to like, do all of them right. too because like yeah, you couldn't yeah, just exactly. go to google and get everything on the cut page one right, right yeah or automatically with the gpt yeah. uh or bard prompt now but I, I was just reading a really fascinating uh article about how like on the top tier of google results now almost everything is generated so <laughs> so we're actually ending up in a world where the top returns are actually like generated marketing garbage and yeah. so now you have to go to like page two down, to get the yeah. good stuff and and i think i was listening to another podcast with the ceo of OpenAI, and and you know he was being asked about like are we going to run out of data to train on are we going to do whatever and I think the problem is actually much more insidious than that. It's it's that the training data is going to become generated yeah. and you're going to end up with the model drift. That's that's unexpected for these people yeah. who work in Silicon Valley and, and are used to access on deep sets of data that mm. are available to them and their resources. But like yeah. it's going to it's going to drift their models in ways. I think I, I'm sure someone in the organization is thinking about it. But like I didn't hear it mentioned in the podcast, and I yeah. think it's really the most pressing problem for large language models. It's going to be learning the, from itself, the, learning from itself, yeah, and 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 mostly learning nonsense <clears throat> from itself. Like it already, is, yeah. Well, because it's very uh, confident. 
<laughs> well, it is. And, yeah. and most of the language it learns is casual social language and interaction. It, it doesn't know stuff, right? The sliver of geology that's on the internet for large language models to learn from is so approximately useless to yeah. a subject matter expert in geology <laughs> sure. that it's it's really painful. And yeah. um, we did some experiments with with ChatGPT early on and, and quickly concluded, well, this is awesome. Let's build on it and make, you know, geology GPT and sure. really focus on that directionality of technical um, tuning, I guess. And, yeah. and, and to really put emphasis there because like it can no doubt create language. It creates nearly perfect language and inspired sure. and interesting language. But what it doesn't know is is technicalities and, yeah. and so, context in context. Yeah. And so that was like a really powerful direction for us to learn. Sure. So one thing I'm we're not going to expand on then is like, so, so y'all are kind of going down a lot of the AI LLM kind of side of it. Or I mean, because you've, you've been doing this for a few years and it's changed rapidly. You know, yeah. you know, even a couple of years ago, it was deep yeah. learning. But I mean, can you kind of even just dive into the difference between machine learning deep learning and then some of this cognitive stuff that we're in now and just kind of like the overlap but the differences or well, I will and where that you know kind of how that applies with you guys and where y'all are using it and stuff yeah too. I'll, I'll do my best to delineate our space um i think this is like a really complicated question and really smart computer scientists argue about what's what sure. every day yeah. so you know if people ask what i do i say we're an ai company i used to say that we were a computer vision company okay. because pretty much everything we did was in the visual sense so a lot like what they do in medical imaging with uh like identifying tumors and looking right. for skin <laughs> cancer like that's what we were doing in geology that was the last two and a half three years okay. and we've gotten pretty advanced on that we've got yeah. models that cover a lot of the a lot of the disciplines and are always building more and um, you know, in the last 12 months, we've really started leaning into the language side, um, actually not to do things that most people think it's, it's not to be like, what is the porosity of the such and such, or yeah. tell me about the, um, KPIs of Exxon Mobil. Like you can do that. That's, that's all available to you as, as part of the product, but that's not really the intent. The intent is to obfuscate away work so right now if you're a geologist about 10 percent of your time goes into imparting your knowledge on the system and like 80 percent of the time goes into just clicking buttons to get things done yeah and then 10 percent more of your time is like actually deciding if what you made was worth a damn <laughs> and 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 like that's that's crazy right like mm -hmm. you know we have we have petra we have petrel we have kingdom, kingdom yeah. we have all these softwares and like i have to click and click click and click and click and click and click and and yeah. that's my job right uh, that's a waste mm -hmm. um so our our goal is to orchestrate that work so uh instead you know our language model and our kind of cognitive model knows oh dave his user persona is organic geochemist um and explorationist so kind of make those models available to him and uh what i might type in is something like uh, create an end of well report for these five wells and contrast them to this one. While you're at it, go ahead and analyze this thin section, that core, and this thing, and wrap it all up and send it to me. And then my job is to walk away and sit in six hours of meetings because that's what we do at big companies. <laughs> yeah. And then to come back to my desk at the end of the day and review that information and go, okay, does this align with my worldview? Does this align with what I know? Is this, is this in accordance with my heuristics? Mm -hmm. Yes or no. 
If yes, okay, do I believe in it enough to move forward? Yes. Okay, let's bring in the other experts and have them vet it. If no, okay, I need to do remedial work. Maybe I didn't have access to the data I needed. Maybe something was missing <clears throat> from my command and my prompt and my workflow. Yeah. But like our view is that work orchestration is the future of work. It's 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 not button clicking. It's yeah. not going through stuff. And and so like we've been focusing a lot of our language model development on orchestration. And and so it's kind of like a, a fascinating world. Yeah, so like really cool. how does all this stuff exist? Well, like I don't know, I don't know that we'll ever get to artificial general intelligence. Like yeah. it sometimes it feels really close, right? And and I just saw an article about, oh, you know, one of these experimental models at one of these companies ran into a captcha. So it went yeah. out to on the, the internet on and Fiverr, and, Fiverr and, yeah. and had someone solve the captcha, right? It's like well, and even then, the the person that they messaged said, "How do I know you're not a robot?" <laughs> and it, I forgot what the response was, but it was like it was pretty intelligent as yeah. far as like how it, it right it, it over, overcame the obstacle. Yeah. And it's like I don't know if that's general <clears throat> intelligence or if it's just copying the internet, right? Yeah. Like sure, who knows? And and maybe it doesn't matter, but. You know, I think there's there's kind of a this aspirational world of general intelligence, but like the oil and gas business is pretty far behind in adopting any type of yeah. machine learning, AI, yeah. computer vision in, in different like they're really good at it in certain spaces. Right. But but like any business, they're really bad at it on the like broad deployment sense. Yeah. And so there's so much, you know to be gained from from putting this in the hands of people that that I think like we don't we don't need to worry about like where where open AI is going like good as soon as they make the next coolest model I'm going to be piggybacking off of it yeah. and training it for my expertise and and I think that that's a really um fruitful place to be so you know we do so when I think of like the world that, that we're talking about like when I think of machine learning I think of like numerical approaches on digital data sets. Yeah, so right. like that's what's in my mind. It's mm -hmm. like seismic interpretation, identifying faults. We don't do a lot of that at, at Geolumina. We do a little bit. We have some log analysis modules. We have some things that, that dovetail with all of the unstructured things that we analyze. And so most of our models, like <clears> I said, <throat> are in computer vision, which their entire purpose is to take legacy information make it structured indexed and searchable with no action by a person yeah and and so like we we do that we deploy that regularly so we have one client that they gave us a couple terabyte drive and and said you know show us what you can do right sure. and so you know over the course of 12 weeks or whatever it was um we let the system process through and create that structure and and build information behind it and so at the end of the day you can go into the envision viewer which is uh, the tool that's client facing and you can basically turn on and off tags and get absolutely everything you need sure. from that completion report to the thing that says there was an oil show to um, anything that has handwriting on it because maybe that note is really valuable. Yeah. Like you can find it at the click of a button and it lights up and is in front of you instantaneously rather than having to go to like Azure cognitive search mm -hmm. and type in a string and burn like $100,000 <laughs> in search fees every month. Yeah which is what this client was doing prior to our implementation. They okay. were burning a couple hundred thousand dollars a month That's insane. in search because why? All their language data was unstructured right? and it would one-off search it every time you tried to hit mm. it. And it's like, well, that's insanity, right? 
And and so not only did our searches become way faster, but they become way less costly. Sure. All right. So I mean, this is not. I mean, geo's in the name, obviously, because that's your backup. But this is not specifically geo work necessarily. Like, no, it can it can kind of understand and do anything. If you're a finance person, it can find the stuff you're. I mean, that sounds some, similar to a project we did at at Grayson Mill recently, where we um and if you want to get into the stack that you use, or if you want to keep it more you know close to the vest, that's fine. But like we used like the Tesseract. Mm-hmm. Um, deal and ran some like leases through it because there was a clause that our land team wanted to find sure and um you know our data engineer sean you know ran ocr over, the, over those and then dumped all that information into Elasticsearch, and we were able to index yeah. it and you know search that stuff and it's you know, right how good was your ocr it went pretty well i think he That's found good. like a handful of files that just weren't like formatted really but he was able yeah. to take most of them and, like align them and work okay. but and some of them, they almost had like shadowy stuff over the yeah. letters. So it was, they weren't great. But I mean, right. that was a small fraction. And those were runs that someone individually could go yeah. know, look at if they needed to. But Yeah, cool. Um, and and so when you scale that, those <clears throat> those few uh, dozens or hundreds of records. I think become 4,000 we did, yeah. Yeah, they, they become tens of thousands of messed up pages. Oh, yeah. Right? <laughs> and, and so like we've spent a ton of time building models <clears throat> that completely cope with that. Things that are not in full page width text like yeah. written leases, right? Things like drilling reports that have multiple columns and are weirdly assigned and you know like the hardest part is getting the language out in any yeah. way that is some cohesive thing that yeah. can be searched and and so like we've spent a ton of time building models that do that across different formats and layouts and old typewriter fonts yeah. and handwritten things and and like those are the gaps in tesseract right like tesseract's great if it's a relatively modern font and it's even something that came from a computer <clears throat> Or a typewriter that is a fairly common one. Yeah. But like if it gets starts getting weird, man, you're in a lot of trouble and it takes a lot of effort to to kind yeah. of get that data validity up there. And so um yeah, we we take a a, a similar approach, but with different tools. So yeah. we have our own you built your own OCR. we have our own OCR engine, we have our own uh search uh kind of structure and engine that's built off kind of a different technology than okay, Elasticsearch. Cool. So yeah. No, I think that's you know, going back to how much data we have, especially how much data we have that is not even remotely close to being, or it might be digital, but it's not structured. You know, right. it's a PDF. Yeah, it's okay, a PDF. Great. That's not digital. Great. That's, yeah, that's, got, that's computer paper. Yeah. Right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> We've got a decade worth of uh, frack, rep- you know, post job reports and PDFs. Yeah, fantastic. What do I do with that? What it's do I just do garbage, right? right? And so I think that's one of the coolest things. I mean, when I saw y'all's demo and stuff at Tech Night, it's like, man, just being able to. Like say, hey, I'm looking for, you know, completions, and then you can yeah. get into how how y'all have been able to structure everything and make everything discoverable, regardless of you know, what division of the company it's in or right. what what uh, region or what basin or any of that stuff. It's it's all there and it's all linked in these really nice, clean ways. It's it's pretty awesome. Yeah, actually. thank you. Yeah, we're 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 really happy with it. I mean, again. For something we didn't think that we were making, like it's, <laughs> yeah. it's really turned out to be cool because the, the beauty is <clears throat> once you once you read a and we say pages a lot, but like it might be a slide from a PowerPoint or it might be an actual PDF page or it might be an Excel table from a report. Once you've read it and recognized the system has recognized what it is, it takes action. So if it's a table of processing permeability data. It converts that to a porosity permeability graph and where it can pull in like the lithology data, either from that table or from some other comparable table, it will then color the images by that porosity okay, permeability because well. it's all connected. Yeah. Right. 
And so like it's taking action like in a lot of ways that you don't even expect um, as the casual user. Like a lot of people are just like, oh, I'm going to use this as a search engine. It's going to make finding things better. And it does 100%. It makes finding things way, way better. But it also makes finding the derivative product so seamless. You don't even know that it was created by the system in the background. Yeah. Well, and that's, I mean, you know, we talk about silos in the industry so much, and that's the biggest issue, right? Is it's yeah. like, oh, well, so-and-so's got, you know, a year's worth of these reports on his My Docs folder in his computer. <laughs> yeah. And then, you know, someone else in a different <clears throat> baseline actually has them structured and in a database. Right. It's like, well, how do you unify all this stuff? Because that's what a lot, yeah. I mean, so many people do, right? Whether it's on the geo side where it's like, okay, we've got all these logs, they're individual logs, we're going to put them in the software, we're going to line them up, we're going to start matching the the zones and stuff and figuring out what this actually looks like in three yeah. three dimensional space. And then, okay, we're also going to throw drilling on top of that and completions and reservoir. Like there's just so much data from all these different places that we have so much of it, but it's going unused as Bobby mentioned in a lot of ways, because the amount of human effort yeah. and resources that would have to go into that to get it all structured and synchronized and, and playing nicely is tremendous right? yeah it's it's really multivariate and yeah. it's and it's very um integrator like it's, yes. it's it, and it's like you know the principal job of a lot of people is to like try and put information together but if you can't find it you can't put it together <laughs> right. right and and then like if you can find it but it's a pain in the neck like you don't you don't actually get the job done so right. we had we had one little pilot for a company where um their problem is their end of well reports. Uh, basically, every time they drill a new pad, their ops team is supposed to evaluate those end of well reports from however many wells are within X distance of that new one. Right. Well, that could be two or it could be 200. Yeah. Right. And, and so what they're doing is they're going into the server, double click, and then they're going to the well name that they know that, or the pad name that they know they need to review, double mm-hmm. click. Then they're going to uh, geo steering, right. double click. Then they're going to uh, reports, double click. Then they're going to end of well report, double click. And then the PDF is there, double click. Right now it's open. Okay, that took, you know, not that many minutes, maybe a minute or two if you're good at finding sure. stuff. But uh, you Time, know, now you got to now you got to do that fifty times, right? right? Yeah. And so in the envision system, you turn on the end of well report tag. And you can put in the lat long that you're working from of the new pad, or it can populate it automatically, or you can search for the well pad name that you want. And then all of those end end of well report slides are there as individual entities. And you can say, oh, I actually only want the in zone percentage slide. Give me that. And now they're all there in a grid and you can just scan them real quick and go, okay, uh, the last 10 wells, they were 80% in zone. There's one fault. And uh, we think this zone is really bad for sticking the bit. Like, yeah, you know, and, and when we when we pitched them, the pilot, we said, well, wouldn't wouldn't you rather just say, write me a synopsis of the end of well reports for everything within one mile of this new location? Right. They're like, no, nah, we don't really want that. I said, OK, cool. That's fine. You, I won't give it to you yet. And, and so instead, we showed them this super powerful search of click three tags and you have everything yeah. right in front of you. You don't even have to open them. Right. Like they're 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 complete pictures on the screen. So like you don't ever have to open the PDF. Okay, yeah. Well, that does a lot of cool things for you. One, if they're in the cloud, it saves you opening them fees, which everybody yeah, like gets egress, hammered with, yeah. right? Yeah. And if they're on your personal server, it just saves you the time of like opening it and it's 600 pages. And yeah. It takes <laughs> Finding you know, five page. minutes for yeah. it to come open yeah. and whatever. So, you know, but what did we make as a result? This ability to orchestrate 
write me a summary of the end of well reports within a quarter mile of this. You know, if it's got this amount of redundancy, only do 10% of them, whatever it is. Sure. Right? And so now you can orchestrate your work that way. And then you go to your ops meeting and then you come back and it's on your desktop. Or yeah. Whatever. Is that so you, is the idea of being able to essentially prompt it yeah. something that y'all either currently have or are working on in the. Yeah. So we've we, we've been building the background models for a while. There's functionality in the system like demo style. It's mostly limited by the actual data we have right. in the back end right now because like our demo data sets aren't very deep. Yeah. So like I can tell it to give me the core core summary of the 10 sleep and it will access five cores and write that into a report and I can download it as a Word document. And it's nice. pretty cool. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's really cool. <laughs> no, I mean, that's well, because that's what ultimately that's what a lot of people are using on a daily basis, right? Is it's yeah. like morning drilling meeting, morning, yeah. you know, it, and they want to know, they don't care about the detail. They want to know a summary of where are we at on all of the active rigs? How, many, how much time have we been there? How much time is left? Are there any issues that are going on? Is it going to be delayed? Is it going to be ahead of schedule? Is it, and then that goes into, you know, how that affects the, the production and completion stuff downstream of that and upstream of that. And so it's, uh, yeah, I, I think that's, and it's also the way that people, you know, especially now with all the LLM stuff, people almost think that yeah, way right. na now where it's like, okay, um, give me this and in this, in this space, it's, you know, yeah. that extended Google search yeah, almost where you're cool, right? adding those very specific things that yeah. you're looking for. I like I my 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 own selfish goal is to eliminate daily reporting from anyone's task list in the next five years. Yeah. I yeah. don't care what kind of daily reporting it is. My my goal is to completely automate that away. And and it's not because we don't want to do it. It's not because there's not value in it. It's because it negatively impacts the revenue per employee of each of these companies. Yeah, right. And and I don't know if enough people use that as their most important KPI, but it really should be. Yeah. Right. Because if I can take a team of five geologists that spend 60% of their time reporting on the next thing that's going to happen and I can, I can eliminate that, they can still know all of those report aspects, right. but they can be reallocated to finding behind pipe opportunity or step out opportunity yeah. or completions, collaboration optimization opportunity with the engineering team that <clears throat> that has a return on investment many tens of times higher than accurately summarizing the last 20 wells yeah right and and like i think we really lose sight of that as process oriented companies yeah. right because because it's incredibly important to summarize the last 20 wells so mm -hmm. that the engineers know what they're going to run into it's not incredibly important that a person does it yeah, yeah. Well, the I mean, answer is the same and that's what computers are really good at, right? The right. same repetitive process over and over again. Yeah. And humans really don't like doing that shit most of the time yeah. anyway. So it's a win-win. Yeah. It's, a it's kind of like what Matt Harriman talking about. Anyway, making work suck less. I mean, like yeah. Yeah. people spending way too much time. I mean, right. let them, like, well, yeah, they can be productive just, and have lives and like they shouldn't be fighting right. bad and, software to do it. Like, exactly. And, and like we have, a, we have an incredible talent problem in, yeah. in oil and gas, right? Yeah. Especially in subsurface. Like engineering is one thing. And, and, you know, engineering enrollments have gone down quite a bit and they've started to come back a little bit, but they were never as low as geoscience positions. Like yeah. entire petroleum geology departments are now gone yeah. from dozens of universities. Yeah. And, and that, that is a really critical risk because the, you know, drilling horizontals in 
the lower 48 is not long for this world. Like I've, I've worked 20 North American basins. I think I've seen every horizontal play and I think I know the cut point at which each one of them is economic. And we have to still go up quite a bit for any of the marginal stuff to come back to being a reality. Yeah. And, and so that means like we're way behind on the resource discovery curve. We're way behind on the supply curve and we're way behind on the personnel curve because so I'm 39. I just had my birthday on Monday. Happy, Happy birthday. birthday. Thank you. And and I'm about the oldest of the young geologists. Yeah. I came into the I came into the business right at the 2008 crash. And yeah. and so after me, everyone, no one else stuck it out. So they all they all they all failed out of geology and went back to engineering or something. Um <laughs> You know, but so like there's not a lot of people, you know, behind me for a couple of years and then there's a blip coming up. But then we had the 2014 and 2016 problems. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so it's like there's just not a big tranche of people there. Well, really, how many of them have even done exploration work? Because it has right. you know, like, oh, almost zero. Yeah. Lots of lots of well sitting and there's lots of stuff to be learned there. Sure. But when they were sitting wells. If the computer was sitting wells for them, they would have been able to learn exploration and and step out development opportunities. And so, yeah. like, there's a problem there. And so then Steve, my co-founder Steve, he's like I said, he's been in it for 40 years. So he's on the younger end of the baby boomer retirement wave. Yeah. So like, all of his friends are out or on their way out of the business in the next year or two. Mm-hmm. And like, he's he's explored everywhere there is to explore. He's been on the ground in 70 countries. Like it's pretty hard to find someone yeah. in our business that's been on the ground in seventy countries. You're gonna have to bang on a lot of doors. Yeah, right. He's done Libya and you know, all of Africa and uh, both coasts of the Atlantic, and like you know, he's been there and done it. Yeah, and like I think I've covered a lot of the basins. I've done fifty basins in fifteen countries, but like that's nothing compared to Steve. <laughs> no, right, right. And and so it's like we. But have but a, you're gonna even be in a top whatever percentile yeah. of people. You yeah. Know. Right. We have a we have a crisis of experiment of experience. Right. Well, I think I mean, that's another, you know, the people that are pretty anti AI stuff. I think that's one of the biggest things as an industry that we we need. Oh, yeah. Like institutionalize some of that knowledge. Well, yeah, because they're either retiring. They've been forced into retirement. They have retired or they're dead. I mean, to be honest, like there's a lot of like my father in law's in his 70s. He started in the 70s back in the the day. He was a petroleum engineer and stuff. And he's going, it's, you know, his friends are slowly getting older and all the stuff. And that knowledge that they have is a lot of people don't think it's that relevant because of all the shale stuff. And it's like, how much more production of like, I don't know what the split is from shale versus conventional, but I I know conventionals outpace from a production global yeah. production perspective right. outpaced shale by quite a bit right and so yes conventionals are the new or unconventionals are the new the new thing right but unconventional or conventionals aren't going they're anywhere, not going away and they and produce so much and then ha- i mean the only reason i know anything about conventionals is because of my internship and stuff that i did early on yeah and then i went into shale and i've always right. I've been in shale ever since and it's right. like unless you're working in the u.s at least unless you're working gulf of mexico or some legacy, you know, Permian right. stripper well type stuff. Yeah. There's not yeah. much room for that. And then yeah. you go outside of the US and it's like, it's all conventional stuff for right. the most part. Right. And so yeah. it, being able to have the knowledge and train models that impart the 30, 40 plus years of knowledge from the last generation yeah. and our generation is so valuable, especially in the long run. Cause you're right. Like we're, we're running into, you know, 
all these secondary and, and tertiary kind of tiered yeah. acreages aren't very economic even right. at 85 dollars a barrel today oh, yeah. you know like you got, yeah. you got to get over 100 yeah and, and it, we, we talk about all the time about making a digital steve yeah um, so like <laughs> you know like that's a very real goal right and it's it's because i think people always used to live on in their publication record yeah. right and mm-hmm. and so like there's a lot of knowledge that would get summarized by people at the end of their career in their 60s and 70s as apg members i this is what happened when we discovered this field. And this is what happened when we did this. And that's really fallen off. Yep. And so there's there like, unless you knew the person, like you don't know how it got there and how it happened and yep. what went on and and the insight that was gained. And so, but like if you can, if you you can do that in your company, you can in very real ways never ever lose an employee again. Right. Yeah. And and I think that that's when I talk to the most CTOs in the oil and gas business. That's the biggest thing they're missing in their vision of the industry, right. mm-hmm. which is that they have the opportunity to never again lose an expert. Yeah. And, and that's not core to many of their strategies. And it's because they're overwhelmed by the SAP and Oracle and the accounting systems and all of this other stuff that they think is where the money gets made. I'm sorry, there, no, there, no money is made in the accounting system. <laughs> yeah. You can't squeeze a barrel of oil out of it. The money is made by having the resource in the ground that's producible at a value at a cut point. Right. And and like those are the people you need to be really, really worried about not having access to anymore. Because we're going to have to relearn it. Yep. Right? Like, like As an industry, we're going to have to relearn how to explore for oil and resources. Yeah, and yeah. whether it's uh, carbon sequestration reservoir or a geothermal reservoir or an oil or a gas reservoir like we're in very real danger of of going through the pain of having to relearn all those things no so. it's it's you're spot on with that because i agree with you a lot of the it stuff they they see it as a well this is where a lot of money is therefore that's where the money comes from right but it's like if you're an it department looking at an accounting group the way you're going to benefit the company is by cutting costs there right. and they're not generating revenue right if anything they're a cost center, they're a right? cost center oh, yes. I mean, they definitely are. I mean, it's, and we have we have a lot of great people back there but it's like i never understood until i was at this company where i had the view of it like how big the back office is you know it's like huge when a lot of it is because we still do so much shit on paper and we yes. put in all these processes like field ticketing don't even get me going on that shit but yeah. uh, <laughs> you know, the fact that you have to get a ticket stamped or stickered and then submit it and then just so an accounting person can manually code it when they get right. the PDF of it. It's like, yep. this is literally exactly what computers were made for, yes. right? Yeah. Like code it all up, bring it all together in a backend with a few tables and it will just do itself, right? right? Like yeah. you don't need humans touching every single p- invoice that comes through the company. Yeah. We've got, this has been awesome. Yeah. The time has flown. Yeah, I know. It's like, we've, we've got we'll have, like to have some more because there are things I want to get into, but I don't know. I, I can come back in a, a, we'll, another we'll few weeks that. and we can nerd out. Yeah. At some point, we're going to do just like an AI panel, and we would love to have you back on that. Just oh, to have I'd like love a to be a part of discussion. Yeah. It'd be great. Okay. It was funny you brought up the, the digital Steve, though, because I heard on the way in that at the uh, Cowboys Stadium this year, they're going to have an AI Jerry Jones that people can go talk to. Oh, my God. <laughs> That's and they were saying on the, on the radio, like, this is going to be interesting. Like, if they censored things that they can ask them, you know, someone's going to ask them about, oh, you yeah. know, improprieties or this or that. And like, it's just be interesting to see what the thing comes do, back with. <laughs> do you guys know the tiger oil memos? No. Oh my God. Okay. When we get out of here, Google tiger oil memos. 
Um, but they are a treasure trove of ornery, offensive, outrageous uh, internal memos from an oil company that yeah. existed, you know, 70s and 80s and I think even into the 90s. But they're like a fascinating glimpse of, uh, you know, how some people run companies. But I would love to make a Tiger Oil <laughs> like AI, GPT because like um, it's just like, you know, like there are me one line memos about uh, don't you dare leave for lunch before 1201. <laughs> like uh, or like the spoons are mine. Stop taking the spoons from yeah. the <laughs> break room. Uh, I, I mean, they're just like all range of hilarity yeah mostly not at all pertaining to to oil and gas but just like inter-office operations yeah, in this yeah. guy's view of what you are allowed and not allowed that's to hilarious. do in his yeah. company <laughs> i'm gonna check it out yeah that's there's so many of those i might have to across. i might have to scrape that and, and make tiger oil gpt it's that would just be ornery just like a smarter child back on aim and just yeah. ask it questions just yeah. to get the ridiculous answers from yeah it. exactly so awesome. at the at the end of our episodes uh we'll do we do like a speed round where we just kind of ask you some questions and pepper off some short answers for it but Great. the first one i'll ask is uh what's your you know favorite um favorite book or kind of most influential book or top few books I really like uh, Travels with Charlie in Search of America. Uh, it's a Steinbeck book. Uh, it's a story of his own travels across America and like kind of things that oh, he's nice. seen. It's fascinating. Yeah. I also really love uh, Sand, County, Sand County Almanac. Um, that's like, a, I don't know, that was like first wave environmentalism. Um, it was like a really popular book for that. Uh, it's basically a chronicle of a guy living in sand county and uh all of the comings and goings of wildlife it's interesting. super interesting yeah what you got uh kind of two piece so cloud or on-prem and if cloud what platform yes yes <laughs> that's a good answer um, no yeah because we didn't really get into that i was going to ask how stuff was deployed we we uh, i made a joke at the apg and i got chastised because uh he was not from america um so he doesn't like it but i said you know like we're american express right we're everywhere you want to be yeah um and like that's unfortunately the reality of of prior mm -hmm. you know ai services is sure. we have to be on prem we have to be in the cloud we have to be hybrid we have to be private we have to be whatever like, yeah. So we, we unfortunately meet everyone everywhere, and uh, it's the bane of my existence. <laughs> so, I mean, it sounds like you you've had, you had to build it modularly so that it could be deployed yeah. roughly anywhere. Not, yeah. not like cloud native or anything. But. Uh, yeah, I mean, like, it it is served internally on AWS, and that's where it lives, but, like, only because they provide startup credits, and that okay, was yeah. a great place <laughs> to build it. Um, it doesn't have any particular advantages over sure. anybody else. So, um, What are some of your favorite get repos or just some get repos even in general that you know joe's may or may not know about that are that would be super helpful that's a great question um or libraries that don't have to be a repo specifically. yeah i really love um there are a lot of different repos that like chronicle advancements in different ai models and so basically like you can find them and they're like great at chronicling the difference from one thing to the yeah. next i don't i can't think of any names off the top of my head but i really like those they're like great summary places to start playing um a couple of ai companies make some really cool like open source like h2o ai they make yeah. like the ability to make chatbots pretty easily um there's like, uh, I don't even remember what it's called. It's like uh, 
open chat UI or something like that. It's it's basically like chat GPT front end, but you never have to build it. It's oh, nice. it's just a okay. repo that you can just plug in and sweet. You can use it as your front end. That's really convenient. Yeah. Um, stuff like that is good. Like I like I like things that are like kind of generalized and and like you can plug into some other usability. So those are my. Cool. I, I don't code every day, so I yeah. don't have a lot of great insight. Oh, it's right there with you. Yeah. Um. So you're a really good follow on LinkedIn. Who do you like to follow, or is there is there a certain follow that you really enjoy? Um. I, man, I feel like I thumbs up a lot of stuff I see on LinkedIn yeah. because I really enjoy it. I like. I like a lot of this Texas focused energy and grid discussion yeah. uh, maybe David Blackman and a few other people yeah, yeah. like they talk about this stuff a lot and I think it's really fascinating. Um, I, I Snoop Dogg, I just yeah. started following Snoop Dogg. I haven't seen him post anything. Yeah, he just, he no just joined. Yeah. No, uh, <laughs> Snoop Dogg. Awesome. So everybody, everybody follows Snoop Dogg. Um, I think it's fascinating, like brand <laughs> pivot for him. So yeah. I, I haven't seen like anything come up in my feed from Snoop Dogg yet, but I'm hoping. Yeah. Fingers crossed. <laughs> um, oh, I, I really like the uh, who's the CEO of Liberty. Uh, oh, Chris Rice. Chris? Yeah. Yeah I, love, yeah. I love following Chris. He's yeah. always got something good to say. No, yeah, he does. Yeah. And he's got a good one. He's got a great background for it. Right? Yeah. Like he's if anybody should be talking about that stuff he is one of those people yeah uh but he also just has a great perspective on it right? right it's not one way or the other he he is very straightforward and factual about things and yeah also has a really good diverse background and experience to kind of back up that that opinion i absolutely agree with you on that yeah um we'll do one more and then we'll wrap it up favorite video or board game I don't play either and my wife hates me for it. Um <laughs> I really okay. There have you have you played the game? I think it's called Pandemic. Have you played it? It's it, it's like uh, you know, diseases spread around the world and you have to fight a those video diseases. game or a board no, game? it's a board game. I think um, I paid played the app version of that for a while. It's pretty fun. It like is if fun. I if I have to play a board game, I'll do it. I'm not great at remembering all the rules. I, yeah. I will play some D and I'd like I like that yeah. a little bit. Um but like maybe once a year is enough. Yeah. Uh so yeah, I'm not a big gamer. I spend a lot of my time being a nerd and thinking about geology. So yeah I'm not far off with you like I haven't played video games probably since I was younger and it was always sports games. Yeah. But like for me like people like to do puzzles. I'm like if I'm gonna solve puzzles, if I'm gonna use my brain that way, I'm gonna right. do it. You know like <laughs> On the computer, yeah, yeah, something, <laughs> yeah. something financially yeah. beneficial. Yeah, totally. uh, I'm a big outdoors guy, so like, if if the choice is play a board game, play a video game, or yeah. go ride a mountain bike, I'm gonna ride a mountain bike every time for sure. Yeah, well, cool. The last question we normally ask is, what's what's some advice you would give to uh, to someone, you know, geologist, engineer, etc., getting into or trying to get into the kind of energy tech space? Start building. Yeah, I absolutely. mean, I mean, and and validate often. Um, and also don't give a shit about if people don't like your idea. Um, Absolutely. I, I, I think I've been told 2000 times since I've started this company, uh, it's never going anywhere. It's never going to be adopted. It'll never work. Oil and gas is dirty. You can yeah. never do this. There's no money for that. And, and like, if I had listened to any of them, we wouldn't, we wouldn't be where we are today. And, and yeah, it wasn't a perfect journey. It's not like linear. Yeah, there um, is for sure but i think i think like if you want to do it get after it and if you know nothing about starting a business find a find a mentor 
find someone that's that's built something and and just let them be your cheerleader they'll probably also say no too many times <laughs> but it's because they're they're pushing their own experience on you and and so just like like hear it internalize it and then decide if you want to pay attention to it or not like it's it's totally yeah. valid to ignore advice so yeah. feel free to do a lot of that i think Perfect. like if you follow like how it's the how it's made podcast yeah. or how we built this how think, we built this yeah, yeah. Like, over and over and over again, those stories are people that just like said, no, I'm doing it and, yep. and made yeah. it happen. And and I think that's how advancement goes. Yeah, no, absolutely. You've got to be if if you're not being rejected, it's probably not that innovative of a right. of a thing. Right. It's an right. iteration, not a step change. Yeah. almost. Right. Well, where can people find you? Where can people find you, Lumina? Yeah, you can find me on LinkedIn, David Thule. Follow me. Uh, connect with me. I don't care which one it is. Actually, I prefer connect. So do that. Uh, you can find Geolumina at www.geolumina.ai. Um, we've got a we've got a website that kind of talks about the product. Uh, I don't spend a lot of time anywhere else. Most of my time is on LinkedIn. I, I have a I have a uh, Instagram, but I stopped posting on it because I only post on LinkedIn now. So that's where you can find me. Cool. And, nice. and oh, we're in Bryan and College Station. So if you ever come through there. Uh, hit me up on LinkedIn and I'll take you out to the best restaurant I know and the best cup of coffee or the best beer. Um, and that goes if you're a student or an executive or in oil and gas only tangentially or a crusty field person. It doesn't matter to me. <laughs> um, you know, I, I love the community up there. So if you come through, uh, make sure you let me know. Awesome. That'd be awesome. Yeah. Appreciate it, man. Yeah. yeah thank you so much for on. having me. This has been great. While some may see them as the crazy ones, we see genius. Because the people who are crazy enough to think they can change the world are the ones who do. Goodbye.